At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's the scene in the barbershop with Muhammad Ali. They go, I'm going to call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Yes. Right? Thank you for doing that because every time I think, like, usually in the comments or somewhere, everyone's like, Ahmed totally missed that movie reference. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What's up? It's not Siskel and Ebert. It's Sims and Fareed on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We are here. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Who cares? Ahmed has never seen a movie in his life anyway, so it doesn't (laughs) matter. But we're here to give lots of thumbs up and thumbs down to the NFL Week 5 performances. It's our deep dive. It's the WTF Treasure Hunter podcast. Got lots of treasures. Got some things that you guys already knew. We already dug up this treasure. We're going to reconfirm the treasure. Yes. Okay? So we got lots of stuff to hit on. I watched a lot of film over the last two days. And Ahmed, I know you've been traveling around the country just doing everything for NBC. (laughs) And now you got to come back and talk to me. And you're like, damn. I do all these official big-time events. I'm hosting the Big Ten, you know, game of the week. I'm getting ready for Big Ten basketball. I'm doing all. I'm going to Olympic events and Uh this. And then I got to fucking slum it with Sims and host the fucking podcast <laughs> that he's going to be late for on a Wednesday by at least 15 or 20 minutes, and I'm going to sit here uh, yeah. and wait for him. I'm sorry. You know, I never say that. You know you know, I enjoy this. You know this is where I get to, like, let my hair down and just, like, relax and uh, have a good time talking football and having you grade these teams. This is basically what this is. We can add another <laughs> yeah. one. Treasure Hunters, uh, What the F Happened, and uh, Report Card Time because we're going to see maybe how they execute and how they, how they change as, as the weeks go on or if they change at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. You're right. And we see some, and there is some change, and I think that's always encouraging, and we're going to hit on a few of those today. And then we got some that didn't change, and they need to change if they want to reach their ultimate goal. So, yeah, I think we got a little bit of uh, some good team nuggets, uh, scheme nuggets, and, you know, a few guys that I think uh, – that are flying under the radar, too, who are yes. really damn good football players that, you know, hopefully we can give a shout-out on the way, too. In reading your notes, there are definitely a couple teams and a couple players and a couple schemes that were like, all right, we're not giving enough love or enough attention to this. And so I'm, I'm excited Agreed. to get into that. So kind of a rough outline of where we're going to go. Take a closer look at that Sunday night game, 49ers destroying the Dallas Cowboys. Take a little bit closer look at the Jaguars' defense and maybe some things they did against the Bills that made offense tough for them. The Bengals' offense is at back now. Desmond Ritter, we saw him look maybe as good as he's looked all Definitely. year in his entire career. Uh, Eagles defense and the big butt of the week awards big as butts. always to end it all off. But let's start with the treasure hunters. What the F happened film review with the 49ers and Dallas Cowboys because we were watching this while we were doing the pod. We're reacting in real time. We're not able to get into the nitty gritty and kind of take a look at uh, anything close to film review quality no, while we're just that, watching that's, it. That's right. You know, yeah. I mean, you're, you're trying to piece things together. We could tell the basics of what's going on, but the film always lets you see the big picture and kind of see how things are, 
you know, a little more detailed and unfolding and the disguises and the, oh, they're in this coverage before the snap and after the snap you see that. That's what's great about the film. You get to see that. And, of course, you get to hone in a little bit on some of the blocking up front at a slower, you know, more digestible pace. And I think uh, that's some of the interesting thing here. When, and, you know, of course, where, where do you want to start? You want to start on the Cowboys so let's offense? Start, yeah, let's start with the Cowboys on offense because yeah. uh, we're going to look at both sides of the ball on this one for sure. But, but the Cowboys offense, you had made some criticism in the past, yeah. Kellen Moore, a little too basic. And yeah. who knows how much of that is Kellen Moore and how much of that is no, Mike McCarthy, I, it's a fair too. Question. And fair maybe question. we're learning more that it's maybe more the head coach sure. than the offensive coordinators right. at this point because they just scored 10 points uh, in this one. Dak Prescott throws three interceptions. Yep. We said he might be mad if we talked about it on Sunday. He's going to be real mad if he hears this podcast <laughs> we're now. We're going to talk about the rest we're of the year right now. Again. <laughs> um, so maybe let's just start there with yeah. Dak Prescott because he is a a lightning rod, and it's just like, how, how good is he? Bet it. Dante Whitner, I used to work with him back in the Bay Area. Did you see him? Uh, no, what did he say? So they were talking oh, about him on the post-game show. he said he was garbage, show. right? I think I saw I go, what's your I'm... headline? Yeah, He's, he, yeah I don't, he didn't say garbage. He's, you don't yeah. do that. What, you know, we know we don't do that yeah, here what, at NBC. Yeah, 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 right. I, I don't know what he said. He's he, been terrible or terrible, bad. He's bad. Horrible, he whatever. I think he that's sucked. what he said. He just I didn't realize that was Dante Whitner. I kind of saw that on Twitter, Yeah, and I didn't realize that. Dante Whitner is one of my all-time under the radar favorite safeties that people don't realize how awesome he was. Like he'd be one of those guys that was an unbelievable safety that like maybe the PFF grades and all that wouldn't be that great because they asked him to do things that other safeties in football didn't, sure. right? Like he was like, hey, cover the slot receiver and stop the run game in the B-gap, okay? And he would be like, you're so good, we think you could pull it off. Oh, you got beat? Oh, minus grade. But a legend in Chris Sims' book right there. But he was I, great. I don't and know he, about that take right there. Yeah, so let's get right? into that yeah, take. So right. he said that because uh, Dak Prescott is sucks. Yeah, um, he doesn't he, suck. Okay, He doesn't suck. And, and but I know what Dante Whitner is trying to say. I know what people see, and if you don't have somebody, again, I'm not saying I'm the the, the Wizard of Oz here, but if you don't have somebody like me that's watched football and learned a little bit, I'm here to tell you that don't put it all on Dak Prescott. Absolutely not, because I would go. What, what, there wasn't much chance to succeed in the football game, and you brought up the Kellen Moore thing, right? And I've always thought they've been a little simple. All right, so what's their change-up been this year? A little bit more, let's focus on the run. And the thing I talked about in the Football Night in America pregame show is what Dallas and McCarthy's really done, he's, he's gone to a shorter passing game. They're throwing it short maybe more than any team in football, if I remember correctly. It's, it's, it's up there towards the top of the league, right? So, you know, we're seeing Prescott. He's been very efficient and smart and doing all the right things for the most part, and that's great. But within that, it's also very simple, too. And it, it's even simpler than it was with, with Kellen Moore. That, that's where I would tell you right mm. off the bat, too. And I think where, you know, I look at the game and just go, my big thing would be, you, know, you saw this at the end, of the end of my notes. I just wrote, if the Cowboys can't run the ball, all right, they'll never be able to beat the 49ers. It's just not going to happen. Right, It's too basic on that side of the ball. It goes back to everything we talk about in one of our themes of the podcast this year, right? Motions, formations, make defenses communicate, do all that. They're stationary every play. Stationary every play, right? And then the formations aren't very unique. And then you add on top of that, wait, it's going to be a slant or something basic to where a defense like the 49ers can just be like downhill, aggressive, downhill. They're already downhill, aggressive. That's in their DNA. Now you're emboldening them. And I think that's the big thing. And, hey, it starts right away in the, the first play of the game, Ahmed. First play of the game, they run, a, they run a run play where I go, you can't run this against this look. 
It'll never work. Never tomorrow, today. I, even if you block it perfectly, it's not going to work. They have more people than you have blockers. It's, it, it's impossible. And especially with, like, it's a basic run. So it starts from there. But is it setting up something else? Well, you know, it, it, it's not enough. No, <laughs> right. it's not. It's not tied together enough that way. You're right. I would love for it to be setting up something else. And that's what the good ones do. But so not only run game basics all right, then pass game basics, not making a really good defense that's really well coached and knows how to break down teams, even think. Mm-hmm. And early in the game, I think the big thing I would say is the 49ers were super aggressive. It was like, you're not going to run on us, and we're going to get in your face and play man-to-man. And I think you saw that in my notes. And what, what, they don't really do that all the time. They're, they don't want to play that way. Yeah. But I think they played that way going, we're not going to let the run game start, right? We don't even want the play action to be a thing. And then the other thing, I think they just went, it's so basic. Like, we can play man-to-man. They're going to run a slant. They're going to run a 12-yard curl. They're going to run a go route. Yes. And I think they were comfortable with, like, what they do and going, we'll go outside our comfort box just a little here early and get in their face and mess up their rhythm and not let them get into a – you know, hey, we threw a five-yard play here. We threw a six-yard play here. Okay, we're feeling ourselves, right? And 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 it started right from the beginning. And of course, I drew a few plays out for you. So to, yeah, to let's show look you. at that because you yeah. noted that there was not one player open for the Cowboys early on in Nothing. the game. And you diagrammed out here. If you're watching on YouTube or Peacock, you get to see what we see every Tuesday night when just like. 13 pictures just start coming along our text chain. Just like bling, 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 I think we got bling. 15 pages last night. Oh, my night. God. You were going yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, here, so here it is. Here are the couple of plays that the uh, Dallas Cowboys ran early. And how would you describe these? Well, these are the well, – I wish we would have kept my sentence underneath there that said <laughs> whoopty fucking do. Yeah. Okay. Be- but, yeah. But, 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 yeah, I mean, here's the first play, you know. First pass play on your left if you're watching on our NBC Sports YouTube page. Whoa. It's a backside. It's all right. So here's the formation. It's 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. We got the tight end to the right, the Z receiver to the right, and then a single receiver, which I believe was CD Lamb on the backside, right? Just your strong power, power right formation that everybody sees in Madden or whatever else. The Y runs a corner route. The Z runs a like fake under and then comes back out. And then the X runs a backside slant. Right. And again, no motions, basic formation, fullback checks his protection, then goes out and is like a little bit of a check down. I mean, one, okay, first play of the game. Oh, all right, sure. Hey, we like this, but I don't know what the rhyme or reason is. Like I said, it's basic. Second play of the game. Oh, we're in 11 personnel, or second pass play, I should say. It's shotgun. Back is set to the left of Dak Prescott. There's one receiver to your left and CD Lamb. There's, you know, a tight end and two receivers to your right. The three receivers just run straight. Run straight. The tight end blocks and goes to the flat. Like, that's where we're going to come out with against the greatest defense in football, the most well-coached football team with talent. Like, you thought they were going to be like, hey, guys, we got to go over to the sideline and meet as a team. They all ran straight on the first play. We need to readjust the game plan. I mean, come on. So that's where I want to stand up for Dak Prescott. 
yeah, he looks sucky and he can help he can help himself a little bit. But I, what I'm here to tell you is that it'd be hard to look good against that defense with the plan of attack that they had in this game. I do want to take a closer look at the t- uh, yeah. two, not three interceptions by Dak Prescott. Um, but first, let's shout out a couple of the specific guys that you thought stood out to you for the 49ers defense. Yeah. We'll get to the super superstar here in a second. Yeah, but how about we, the safety first in uh, number 31, Tayshawn Gibson? Tayshawn Gibson's a guy that's kind of been a little, like was a really good player in his prime, a little bit of a journeyman here at the end of his career. But the second win, the scheme, a system that fits him, you know, he's really smart, right? And it's allowing him to play fast and just get after it. And, yeah, their safeties, we know who Fungo's pretty good, but Gibson shows up a lot too. To me, it's more of like I'm not saying he's sitting here going, oh, he's on his way to the Pro Bowl, but going, hey, they found a real good value veteran starter who makes a lot of plays, and the big thing is does the right thing all the time. That's what I look at. It's not even on the stat sheet. It's like, hey, there's a toss run, and, ooh, they kind of have the edge, and he sees it. And he just goes, I'm going to run to the very edge of this and just put my head down and blow up the blocking and make the guy cut back inside because we lost the edge. It's little things like that. Oh, it's a screen to the receiver out here. And he takes the right angle to funnel the guy back in, let alone maybe gets off the block and, like, you know, he might not make the tackle, but the guy now has to go, oh, wait, he's not blocked and I got to run somewhere else, right? So those are the things he's doing, and uh, it's good to see because he's been a good player for a long time, and he's found a little nice little niche here in this Cowboys D, I mean, uh, 49ers D. He stood out to you, and then there was another player, and people say that the 49ers have not drafted well here lately, but this is a former fifth-round pick who yeah. maybe is uh, maybe is flying under the radar a little bit as as a key piece to this defense. We're talking Dre Greenlaw here. Dre Greenlaw, if he wasn't next to Fred Warner, people would go, is he one of the five or six best linebackers in wow. football? He's that good. He is. He's everywhere. You know, we know how awesome Fred Warner is, but th- this guy needs to be given credit too. He's like Fred Warner light. It's not much different here. He's every bit as athletic. He flies around like a psycho and has, like, zero hesitation in this football game. He might not be quite as thick and able to maybe take on some blocks and do things like that with Fred Warner. But, man, he's a special football player that, yeah, it just you watch the game and we know Bosa's awesome. We know Hargrave and Armstead are awesome, right? But it's, it's Lenore the corner. It's Dre Greenlaw. You know, it's Gibson, it's Charvarius Ward, it's those other guys that we go, they're kind of the second-tier guys in the defense, and you go, damn, they're damn good too. Like, they're like, you know, they'd, they'd be stars on other defenses, and, and that's where uh, they deserve some credit for sure. So the Cowboys did do one thing, okay, that you noted. Yeah. If they, 49ers only rushed four, yeah. they did an okay job at, at They did. That pass blocking is not the yes. issue in this matchup, right? They can feel comfortable about that. Where, again, not that I'm saying you're going to sit there and you want to pat the ball for seven minutes and do that. But what I'm saying is the pass rush wasn't the thing that ruined the football game, right? I wasn't sitting there going, oh, man, he's got no time. He can't do this. No. The simpleness, the simplicity of the offense, the route combinations, the lack of answers for Dak Prescott was the big problem with this, you know, offensive attack overall. Yes. And the 49ers, like I said, were emboldened in their face, not going to give them an inch or anything. Then they put together the tough touchdown drive, right, where, you know, even on that drive, it wasn't smooth. Uh, I mean, Fred Warner kind of messed up. They made a – I think the 49ers had a penalty. You know, the Cowboys made a play or two, and they got down – and, they, you know, and, and of course, here, the 49ers were still playing a ton of man-to-man, and that's when he hit Turbin on the corner route for the touchdown, right? And I think that made it 14-7. And that was like, oh, okay, whoa. But that was the moment the 49ers said, okay, enough with the man. 
All right, we're not yeah. going to take too many chances. They got us there. Let's back off and get back to what we normally do. And you know, and then again, the same theme continued. There yeah. was no answers to stop that or, or get any plays yeah. against it. In something you mentioned at the beginning of this whole discussion is the Cowboys just could not run the ball. Weeks one through four, they were averaging 141 yards per game. And then against the 49ers, just 57 on the ground, averaged three yards per rush, didn't get in the end zone once in the running game. So that was all bad. Yeah. And the interceptions yeah. were bad, too. And so let's get back to that. The yep. three interceptions by Dak Prescott. Who's to blame? Well, okay. I mean, a little bit is the... And I want to make sure I get them all right. I don't know what he's thinking on the bomb throw to Tayshawn Gibson, right? That one I, I don't understand. At no point would that, that look the right look to throw that ball. That was his first interception. That was his first one. The deep post, Gibson. Gibson catches it. He's a single safety defense, and you're just like, wait, wait why, why are you doing that? I'm putting that one on Dak. Yeah, you can. That one is on Dak, 100%, right? So, And, and of course, there. He's Dak, where he'll be mad at himself, not only a bad decision, but I think like impatience is the important thing to say there, right? So there's that. Then that one's on Dak. Second inter- interception, listen, there's a little bit of he could have, you know, the front side wasn't CD Lamb's open on the front side, but he's not wrong to go to the backside slant here. The problem is, again, just the route combinations in general, and that you're playing a 49er team that's going. Wait, we've seen these formations on film all week. We've seen these routes. We kind of know what to expect. And, you know, we're getting a feel here now later in the game when they run a slant. They kind of run it like this. We've seen their body picture and our mental image, right, and all that type of stuff. So they run a backside slant, and the guy's waiting for it. I mean, he's waiting to jump it. And I think that was Lenore who gets his hand in there and tips the ball up in the air, right? And then that was where – that that was uh, Fred Warner's interception, right? Ball tipped up in the air interception that way all right and then so that one is like I'm not going to say that's on Dak all right Uh, Dak threw the ball perfectly they played as soon as the guy saw the receiver hit the third step he was like it's the slant here it comes right and he jumped all over it and he was inside and boom ball gets up in the air yeah, okay, Dak, I, I wish he didn't do that. But, I'm not, again, I'm not going to sit there as an ex-quarterback and somebody that's watched football, and I don't look at the play and go, well, there was a lot of other avenues of reason to think this was going to work, right? Yeah. Then, the third interception, guess what? More slants, right? And it's slants against zone coverage, and they know it's coming. And Oren Burks, who's smart, and they've caught it, you know, taught it. He sees one slant go by him. He's going, wait, I'm, that goes to the next guy. I'm passing that off to the other guy on my right of me. I'm going to keep working out here because guess what's coming? More slants. Yeah, let's do that. So, you know, they throw the ball, and he gets underneath one of the slants. So, you know, Zach, Dak thinks he's got a little window in the zone coverage, but Warren Burks is continuing to float out there to get underneath the slants because they're going, hey, they throw a lot of slants all week. When you're up here like this, drop into this area, and you'll kind of like, as you drop, cover the second slant and then be underneath the third slant. So, you know, what I would say to people is that Dak Prescott is not given many gifts or advantages with their passing game, right? And that, you know that, that's, that's, that's a big part of the game. And he's not Mahomes or Allen that he's just going to make magic happen and do that, right? That's, that's a rare breed. And that, that's the big problem. Mm-hmm. And that's where I go back to I, they're going to beat most teams in football. They are. I know that. The Dallas is really good. 
They're not going to beat any of the really, really great teams in football, though, and they can't win to the Super Bowl playing this way unless it just all fell right, right, where, like, the the Eagles got lost in the wild card game and the 49ers got upset somehow in the divisional game and then they got to the NFC Championship game and didn't have to play them, right, or something like that. Right. Uh, But those are worries, and they're legitimate worries. So the offensive scheme for the Dallas Cowboys, not good enough against the San Francisco 49ers. How about on the other side? Let's take a look at the scheme first here. Is the defensive scheme just not good enough against this 49ers offensive scheme well it's 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 a good it's a good scheme and 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 this is a game where the stats are misleading in this football game a little bit well they're they're a little misleading that's why i love that's why i love this podcast you know let's let's put things into context a little bit and then we know the 49ers are really good too but this is a little bit of a typical case of like hey uh hey we're right we're on the field Hey, it's a, hey, well, oh, it's a minute and 20 seconds later. Hey, we're going back on the field. We're, hey, we're going back on the field. I mean, Dallas's offense being so crappy put the 49ers in some incredible positions. Yeah. You know, that that's one thing. And then, you know, of course, they stripped Christian McCaffrey after the Tony Pollard fumble to get the ball back and save them from maybe even snowballing even faster, right? So, you know. Yeah, here are the stats. Yeah. 421 yards of total offense, 170 yards on the ground. On paper, looks bad. It, it does. It does. But it kind of like is one of those where the dam broke late in the game for a lot of stats, too. Yes. The competitive part of the football game, there's still a lot of things to look at and go. That, that I, I don't think they would score 42 the next time. I saw Debo Samuel said next time it would be worse. I, I, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I think – it fell right. And, of course, getting the ball for turnover, running the trick play, right, touchdown, hey, 14 nothing. Again, that was a good trick play. I don't look at that and go, oh, Cowboys are just getting smushed and killed, right, and all of that. You know, they put up a good fight. Now, where it's their scheme is really good. We've talked about it hurts that they don't have Trayvon Diggs. But this is where I think people dropped the ball or missed a little bit on this matchup specifically. The 49ers are significantly better than last year, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. right? We were kind of saying that last week it's we know they can run the ball but he's got even more tricks and things in the run game and he's got more plays for McCaffrey than he did last year and then he's got more trust with Purdy and they just have more offense and shifts and motions and and schemes in the pass game and all that the Cowboys we know want to crowd the line of scrimmage and play man-to-man right that's what they want to do they were scared to do that early on in the football game. They kind of played conservative for them. Because what happens is, you know, like we talk about all the time, you play man-to-man and all of a sudden they're shifting in motion and boom and boom. And all of a sudden you're talking and you're like, wait, I had the C-gap on this side and now they shift the formation over here and I'm playing man-to-man and wait, who's got the C-gap over here? And, and Right? So it becomes very hard to organize all of that all the time with as much movement as the 49ers do. And they put them in a bind a little bit that way and they had to be a little more simple than I yeah. think they normally would be on that side of the ball. You saw a little bit of a of a tale of two halves and maybe a strategy by the 49ers in this one because you were watching them in the first half and you call them I think what was it creative conservative creatively conservative creatively conservative in the first half but then you did see in the second half where things changed a little bit to the point where you wondered if that's the plan going in I think it was the plan going in I know my buddy a little bit here I know one we've talked about this is not just a Shanahan conversation. This is people I've talked to around football. Goal number one when you play the Dallas Cowboys, the first thing you have to worry about is we can't let their pass rush win the game for them, right? We can't just drop back and think, oh, we're awesome at throwing, and I got Brock Purdy, and I got an awesome offense. Like, no, yeah. those fuckers are psycho and crazy and yeah. talented, and they can get after the quarterback and two-strip fumb- sack fumbles, and you go, oh, man, we were winning the game, and now they got the ball at the one, and they returned one for a touchdown, and we're losing. What's going on? So, like, I, Shanahan's aware of that. 
you know. And, and he, he knows how good they are. I could, that dated back to last year's conversations about the Cowboys. So he wasn't going to let that happen. He was going to be consistent with running the ball, right? Lots of shifts and motions doing it. Pretty, you know, conservative, high percentage pass plays for the most part in the first half, right? You know, but wasn't going to be like an air show. And if, and hey, if we didn't, maybe don't capitalize as much as we should, so be it. I'm willing to do that rather than the risk of, you know, them making a big play. And I think that too. And then here's the other thing I know that, you know, this guy does, and he's brilliant. He does a lot of this stuff, and while he's being creatively conservative, he's still shifting and motioning. And, again, here's the rhyme and reason. to. It's not just like he looks cool. I saw this team do it on film, so we're going to add it on. No, there's reasoning. He does all these things, and why he's doing it, he or somebody else is writing down the adjustments the Cowboys are making to mm-hmm. it. Oh, when we went in this formation and moved the fullback out here, they did this. And so now when they get in the locker room and look at the game plan, they go, all right, we're getting this kind of game, and we do this shift and this motion, they're doing this. And now he can start to go, okay, wait, wait, i got a feel for what they're doing now. I've got a second to kind of reassess here, and now I can get to my plays that I think are going to really screw them up in the second half, right? Yep. And that's kind of what happened. So they, I know, you know, they believe they can run the ball and wear them down and do that. That's what he wasted the first half off, first half on and played that way. And then the second half, he kind of you know opened the, the treasure chest a little bit there. And in the middle of all this 49ers offensive discussion is Brock Purdy. And is he a good quarterback? Is he a system quarterback? It's time to go inside the numbers powered by AWS and take a closer look at the man leading the 49ers offense, if that's not Shanahan, which maybe you think it is. But it's Brock Purdy under center. Uh, let's take a look at his passing chart here when you see this passing chart some of the uh, most successful touchdown throws to the right side of the field one deep there 25 yards or so yeah what do you see from this passing chart? well i think i see a lot of the usual shanahan stuff right where we go hey they live in this area i think it's expanded in the middle of the field as far as the depth of targets because of him right but what i think we're seeing is hey execute in between the hashes in between the numbers in between the numbers in between the numbers and then oh, here comes the curveball, we're going to screw you and throw the ball outside for a touchdown here, right, and do that. And that's where they got a nice little blend of things working. And what you'll notice, too, there from the chart, and Next Gen Stats alerts us to this, Brock Purdy threw all four of his touchdown passes from outside the tackle box, the most in a game in the Next Gen Stats era. Yeah, that, that's so all four were outside, yeah, because, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. What do you make of that? Well, I, I was, um, one, he's got great feel. Like the the touchdown to Kittle, you know, on the crossing route there. Cowboys mess up the coverage. It's not quite there right away. He kind of knows, like, wait, hey, I can't sit here all day against this Cowboys defensive line. Let me get out and just buy some time. Boom, great throw on the run, right? The 38-yard pass to Kittle down the sideline was the trick play, right? All right, so that's just a Shanahan special, right? The uh, other George Kittle pass was a changeup. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I know I wrote it in the mat and in the in the in the notes a little bit, but it's like the old John Gruden Spider 3 banana play, right? Mm-hmm. Right? This was what we would have called Spider 3 Buckeye where it's still running the banana, but there's crossers on this one uh, over the middle. So they run that and they do it a decent amount. A lot of teams in football do. And he must have known the Cowboys are going to be ready for that, right? So what did they do? They have Kittle don't run the banana, the corner route. Kind of act like you're about to run the corner route and go to the post. And the Cowboys were sitting there waiting for him to go to the corner route, right? 
So there's another like, hey, they know that I know that they know, and I'm going to do this, right? <laughs> and they threw the right curveball there. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, I think did we hit on all the – oh, and then the use check was uh, just like kind of a sprint out, throw to the right there a little bit, good play. But, hey, it's moving the pocket. It's good play. It's changing launching spots against the defense. That's amazing. It's changing some blocking schemes so they can't feel what to do and all that. And that's where Shanahan's just, uh, you know, next level and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it was going relatively de- deep. Purdy completed seven of his ten passes over ten air yards for 166 yards and three touchdowns. He leads the NFL in completion percentage on such passes this season, 72%. And that was inside the numbers powered by AWS. We've been going a long time on this one, but I do want to make sure to uh, mention Micah Parsons and what you saw from him because Richard Sherman, I believe, was on his show saying that Micah Parsons was was nowhere to be found. He was absent in their biggest game of the year so far. The stat sheet will show that, but that's that's just not the case. There's nobody that pops on film more than Micah Parsons in the defensive side of the football in, in the NFL. Yeah. There, there's a handful of plays where I'd go, he got held. They should have called that. He's – I've never seen a guy that can, literally can go from, whoa, he's the best pass rusher on the field, and then they put him in middle linebacker and you go, he's the best middle linebacker on the field. I mean, it's incredible what he does there, right? So, again, the stat sheet and all that, was it his best game? No. You know, but he was also playing a team that was focused on him not running, ruining the game, right? A team that, again, wasn't going to let it be a drop back. Hey, we're going to sit here and pat the ball so you can you know, add to your highlights, right? So th- they played it smart too. Yeah. But his effect on the game is still noticeable with F the playups. You know, like we were talking about with Gibson, plays where he pops up and they go, whoa, we can't run there. I got to cut back and go the other way. Those are big plays. They're important on the spreadsheet. Now, here's the one thing I'll say, though. They got to find more ways to you get him one-on-ones in pass pro. Shanahan and them had a good feel for how they were going to line up and where they were going to line up, and there was too many times where he had two people on him. And that to me is like, you know, I think of Aaron Donald and his prime and all that. You got to go back to the lab and find out ways to go. No matter what they do, they can't put two people on him. And that would be the next thing I would say for the Cowboys that need to improve in that area, too. Yeah, Trent Williams did not allow a pressure on any of his eight pass blocking matchups against Micah Parsons, which did include four double teams. So you had Trent Williams and another dude against Micah Parsons most times. Micah Parsons is is pretty much unblockable with one person. I don't even care who the the tackle is anymore. He's so quick and so explosive and all that. It doesn't matter. And yes, there was help like that. Or you know how they like to stand him up in the middle sometimes, and he might stand between the guards and the tackle, right, and he's just standing. You're like, oh, man, what's he going to do? Is he going to loop around? Is he going to rush? Whatever. They always had the guard and the center over there on him. So that's where they got to find different ways to distress them if they you know, get the chance to play them again. 49ers at Cleveland, another good defense. Oh, tr- tr- sneaky game. Do you think sneaky, they, do you think they match trap up? game. Do they match up better defensively against the 49ers than the Cowboys? Um, yes, they do. They do. Now, their size, their lack of depth on their front worries me a little bit. Yeah. But their front four has a little more size to go along with it. Those two corners that we've talked about on the outside are legit. Yeah, I think the Browns' totality front seven is better than the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I do. And I don't say that lightly. You know, I think the Cowboys are damn good. Uh, the Cowboys are underwhelming at the second level. 
Well, that's what I would tell you that too. I think you saw in my notes a little bit like, you know, the linebackers don't make very many plays. You yep. know, you watch the 49ers and Greenlaw and, 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 uh, and uh, Fred Warner, and they're all over the place. The Cowboys m- middle linebackers, the Cowboys safeties, uh, and, and that was another issue with the game too. They wanted to play three safeties when they played nickel. And the 49ers are like, oh, good, yeah, put that other safety. Oh, we're going to spread it out here. And now that safety that's not very good at covering, he's covering. And, like, you don't want Javon Curse ever man-to-man against any – not Javon Curse. Uh, J- uh, what's his name? Curse, number one, the, the, the tall, long guy. J. Ron Curse, right? Yeah. You don't want him covering anybody. But yeah. I think we hit it all for the most Cowboys part. Cowboys at Chargers, the Kellen Moore revenge game. Oh, he might know how to slice and dice this Dallas defense, too. Oh, no, it could be two weeks in a row for Dan Quinn and – nightmare situation so that's coming up uh this week let's around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future The few, the proud, the Marines. At Delta, we know Mike NHC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, HC is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Move on to the big thing, cool thing of the week. Yeah, Our big thing, cool thing of the week happened in the Jaguars-Bills game. And the big thing, cool thing you noted was how they utilized Tyson Campbell in this game. So we're deep diving into Jags and Bills across the pond. Why was this your big thing, cool thing of the week, Chris? Well, because this is a thing that doesn't go on in the NFL as much anymore, right? The Cowboys or Trayvon Diggs do it a little bit, right? Teams don't play, hey, you cover that guy. You do this. Hey, we're going to play zone with everybody, but you're going to play man, right? It's, it's kind of lost its way a little bit yeah. in the last few years in the NFL. You know, I, I feel like the Patriots were really one of the last teams to do that combination of like, hey, we're in zone, but Darrell V is playing man or whatever, right? It's not as popular. We saw it with Patrick Peterson in his prime in Arizona. They did it, yeah. right? So that was the cool thing. And they did it two different ways where sometimes – they would if it was man across the board, he covered Stefan Diggs. If it was the we're gonna play zone, but we want you to play man to man on one guy, he played Gabe Davis, and then they kind of shifted the zone towards Stefan Diggs, hmm. right? Okay. So very cool that way. And that's listen, he's a special player. Like, you know I, I've always liked him a lot. But the last two years, and especially what I've seen this year, yeah. he's one of the best corners in football. There's no doubt. And I don't know what the stats finally say. I know the stats of those two receivers are extremely misleading in this football game. It was a lot of garbage time when they were down 18 to 7 and 25 to 13 stats. But 
they weren't catching many balls on him man-to-man. That's for sure. Diggs caught the ball on the right sideline for the touchdown to make it 18-13, right? Or uh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. The, the first touchdown to make it 11-7, he caught that on Campbell. Campbell got really aggressive and tried to, like, I'm going to smush you with the line of scrimmage and kind of quick jam you. And Diggs was ready for it, made a nice little move and got off clean. And all of a sudden, Campbell, who was way over aggressive, kind of stumbled forward and had to try to catch up. That was his only mistake of the game. He's yeah. phenomenal. And this Jaguars defense and their team in general, like we've talked about, continuing to go like this, like we said a few weeks ago when they lost to the Texans, right? I said there's a lot of good there still. Don't Just because they lost this game, there was a few mess-ups and whatever else. And uh, I think we're starting to see them turn the corner and get shit together. So there. you think at the end of the game it was more of the garbage time, maybe taking the foot off the gas a little bit, as opposed to the Bills figuring something out with the way that they were no, playing what, those No, exactly guys. right. The competitive part of the football game, they couldn't do Jack Diddley squat on this team, right? And, and the, the, all the stats came in, wait, we're up 18-7, to seven. let's play prevent they played zones and just were like we're not going to let them score quick right that was their whole goal right so that's that's what they did and then they went down and scored again they made a 25 13 and they did the same thing and then Allen and them came back with a few big plays he made a few awesome throws against their zone and scored touchdowns but a couple things you noted here yeah, that please, I want to get to here there. because you, yeah. you noted the, the Jaguars tackling. You said phenomenal, phenomenal was the word that you used They're there. They're so fast and aggressive throughout. Well, that was what you noted, too. For the first snap on, yes. you said the Jaguars are moving at a different speed than the Buffalo Bills. Definitely, definitely. They looked like the team that was angry, hungry, ready to go, acclimated to the time change, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it looked like a team that the Bills are maybe a little worn out from the travel, the big moment the week before against the Miami Dolphins, whatever. But they were a a gear up from where the Buffalo Bills were. That was the first thing you noticed when you just went, whoa, they're flying around, and Buffalo's kind of still getting their feet underneath them and getting used to this football game. What did they do yeah. to keep Josh Allen yeah. from being Josh Allen, from that guy that's running around, kind of slicing and dicing, maybe ripping off 15, 20-yard gains on the ground? What, what did they do? Well, like, this to me was the key to the game. We talk about Campbell. He's awesome. We got that. We know the Jaguars' D. The talent's real, right? Their secondary as a whole, I'd put up there against anybody in the sport. And then their two middle linebackers. So their back end is phenomenal, let alone their front end. is kind of damn scary good too, right? So there's a lot to look at there and go, ooh, they're good, right? But this was the key to the game. And, like, listen, I don't remember saying this very often. Like, where I got to, like, End of the third quarter, and I was like, there hasn't been one Josh Allen magic play. Not one like, hey, he got out of the pocket and set up and threw like a 40-yard laser or ran around with his hair on fire and ran up the sidelines for 30 yards, right? None of that. None of that. And the Jaguars, of course, won the battle up front, but what they did is they did not go for sacks in the football game. They played you know, mush rush or nobody go by him. Defense ends. We're not playing. Let's go around and get the sack and then leave some huge gap so he can run around and tear us up. They kind of played, hey, four or five guys. We're going to kind of push the pocket. We're going to slowly. And if he breaks or whatever, we're going to be there ready to react to the break. Right. So that was what they did really well. Then with some tactical five man rushes at times. Right. They didn't over blitz, but they did have some five man rushes. Then just, you know, one less lane to worry about or Josh Allen can attack. And that was really the beauty of what they do. And then the other thing, too, just up front and why we're there, their five-man fronts, their talent on their football team allows them versatility that a lot of teams don't have. 
So they could play two big guys in the middle, and then it's Trayvon Walker on the end on one side, and then it's Josh Allen on the end, and maybe uh, uh, Chase on, on the outside of him, kind of a stand-up linebacker. And you don't know what four are going to come or what are going to drop. But either way, it's a five-man line of scrimmage, and teams go, well, we don't want to run against that, so let's call the pass. But then one of them drops back, and you go, well, shit. Now they got – it's a four-man rush, and they got an extra guy who's long and athletic back in coverage, Allen, Walker, or uh, Chase on. Caleb on Chase on, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, so that, that was definitely one of the keys of the game. But their ability not to overpass rush him – just kind of push the pocket, mush pocket, and keep their eyes on him to where, oh, he's breaking, we can break too now, and go get him, was definitely one of the keys to the game. So I think there are some people that would think that, uh, yes, the Jaguars are used to playing in London. You even mentioned that just a few minutes ago, that maybe this was a a bad game for the Bills coming off that huge win against the Dolphins. You mentioned that a a few minutes ago. But I also get the feeling, though, these two teams are three and two. Right. Like, are, are the talent levels that extreme one way or another, especially with all the injuries the Bills have? Well, right that, now? that's what the scary thing is. I don't think the talent level is too different when the teams are healthy. I think that I would, I would probably take the Jaguars' talent level if they were all healthy. I would take them. Mm. They're not as seasoned as the Bills. You know, the Bills are a team we can't forget. They've been in the AFC Championship game, the playoffs. They've been a team that we've been talking about, a Super Bowl contender, for four years in a row now. So, you know, and they know how to play. And, you know, they're a four-quarter football team. And, of course, they're really well coached. So I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to Buffalo. I just think a lot of Jacksonville's talent. I do. And I just think they're young and kind of finding their way. And, yeah, with the injuries right now to Buffalo, which are, you know, a lot and at big positions and concerning that way, yeah, I would say, you know, there might be a little bit of a plateau for Buffalo here where I, I think Jacksonville is on an upward trajectory and just continues to get better and better. All right, the Jaguars playing the Colts coming up next. and Defeated uh, Indianapolis 31-21 in week number one. So their season series will be done here after this weekend of the Bills and Giants Sunday night football, our game, NBC. I guess we couldn't flex out of this one, right? I guess the Giants. Do they deserve to be on Sunday Night well, Football? No. Get a team I mean, like the Lions in got, there or something we've like got that? The li- and the Giants on two primetime games, right? Yeah. Three. It's three. That's right. It was a Monday night game and two Sunday night oh, games. No. And the r- Sunday, oh, it was a Thursday. Thursday. Oh, no. Gosh. So this is the fourth one. This is four, Pete? Yeah. This is four. Oh, no. And we've had the Raiders twice. Like that, so it'll know. get better. It'll I can get understand better. the Giants one. The Raiders one, I'm a little bit like, what? Why did they get on two times? So early I on didn't in the even write. Season? Yeah, I didn't even write this in here. Pete goes, "Is this an easy get-right game for the Buffalo offense?" Ouch. I don't think so. Okay. I would never. Nothing's easy against this Giants defense. Buffalo's defense is oh. an easy get-right game. No, I'm just well, saying. Well, yeah. that could be. Yeah. Now, that, that I'm not. Now, now their health is going to be real. And what I always scares me in these kind of matchups is Dayball is going to be like, wait, I know McDermott likes to do this in this formation and likes to do that. So he's going to have a little bit of an inside clue mm. on how they attack and some of their rules. You know, that'll help them maybe a little bit. But, yeah, that's going to be tough sledding. The health of Daniel Jones, the O-line has sucked like we've talked about. And now you're going on the road, hostile environment, a team that's going to be pissed off with the way they played last week. Yeah, it's scary. It really is. And, you know, again, they're still a good football team, but they got to get healthy. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I would imagine Josh Allen and them. You know, they're they're going to have some problems with this Wink Martindale defense this week. They pose problems. They're creative and they think outside the box. But like you mentioned, the health of Daniel Jones will be a big thing that we'll be watching going into that game. The health of Joe Burrow has been something we have been watching since the preseason into the regular season, and now we think maybe. For the first time all year, he yeah. looked like Joe Burrow again. Yeah. He looked healthy again. And so we move on to this section, which we are dubbing the Masters of the Short Passing Game because you noted that in your notes as you took a closer look to at the Bengals' offense and the Cardinals' defense. What did you see with the short passing game that made you anoint them the Masters of this? Well, remember last week I kind of was like, you got to be a master at something, right? You yep. got something's got to be like we're so good at this, right? This is kind of our theme the last few weeks with like some offenses we've talked about. You got to find something that you're so good at that a team goes, "Wait, our game planning this week has to be to stop this, to slow this." And and now then all, and it opens up other things in the offense. So last week when we watched that film, I wrote at the end, "Hey, you know, you got to be the masters of something, and if it's got to be the short passing game, then be the best damn short passing team in football. So that's what I think we saw a little bit more of in this football game. Again, I will say, a little more formations, a little bit more, you know, uh, movement, and a little – a few different route concepts that I haven't seen. So it's slowly growing, which is encouraging. That, that would be the big thing I want to say there for sure. Um, they had a better blitz plan in this Ooh, game. All right. right? Remember last week yes. I was a little bit like, damn, I mean, people are going to keep blitzing them because they, they don't do anything that ever scares you. So let's show those numbers. Yeah. So week one through four, they were blitzed on Joe Burrow about 32% of the time on the dropback passing game, 27% of the time, so faced a – a few fewer blitzes. Uh, completion percentage, though, uh, that's pretty good. 11 of 13, 88 yards, and through the one touchdown, no interceptions. Yeah, I, I just – that it didn't kill them in this game. Yeah. One, they looked like they were better coached up front and how to pick things up. They had a few wrinkles just to, hey, let's get the ball out of our hands. So it was positives. Like other weeks, those ended up in no yards, a sack, whatever. It was always a negative. This week, there was no negatives, and it was always like, okay, it wasn't a great positive, but it was a pretty good positive. At least we're not in, like, you know, second and 18 here or something, right? So that's the big thing there. The O-line was better. There's no doubt. They're masters of the short passing game, and then if you add that on to and it's going to be all about Jamar Chase, I love it. Hmm. Be masters of the short passing game. Make him the number one read on every play, just like we see the Vikings do for Justin Jefferson or the Rams do for Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua. Just everything about him. And then it's going to open up other things as well. So that was, those were two things put together, short passing game, and we're going to feature Chase that allowed the rest of the offense to kind of get going. And then, so I liked all of that. Yes. Right? Oh, no. Wow. Well, is there a butt coming here? There is a little bit of a butt. Oh, no. There is a little bit of a butt. Bengals okay. fans were so happy with this. No, and, and I think there's still a point. lot to be I, – I this is where I guess well, I'm just not giving it the total, like, bam, stamp of approval. They're, they're fixed, right? Right, and 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 I burrow through an interception. Okay, he got hit as he was throwing. The guard got run over. That wasn't bad. But I think the thing that I just go a little bit like, okay, we're on the right direction, but I'm not sure if we're totally fixes. Just the way Arizona played defense in the football game to me was a little shocking. I think you saw that in my notes, where I just was like, I was a little shocked at how simple it was. There was way too much respect for the run game early on, where I was going like, who the fuck cares? Like. Call their bluff. 
They don't want to run the Bengals. They want to throw with Joe Burrow. That's what they want to do. And, and what what has made you think you have to play the bare front 5D lineman in to stop the Bengals' run game? Like, what? Like, they haven't run the ball on anybody at all. So live with them running the ball and then make an adjustment from there if, they, if you have to and you're getting gashed. I did not understand that. The disguises are simple. There was no disguises. So they played a team that was kind of struggling on offense, and they were just like, hey, we're lining up on this, Joe. Yeah. You feel good about the player calling here? Well, of all players, too, Joe Burrow is going to be able to, to get to another up play, even a make an adjustment. Defense. Exactly yeah. right. So I don't like that. And then the, master the short passing game. They basically were like, hey, here you go. Here's a five-yard window. Just throw it here. We're not going to bump anybody. We're not ever going to even crowd the line of scrimmage. I just was a little disappointed, you know, from that all altogether as far as the Arizona's game plan, which I've liked yeah. almost in every game. And this one, um, I, didn't, I didn't quite get it sure. that way. So that totally gives me my sense. pumping yep. my brakes a little bit. Makes sense. But credit where credit is due. They made the big plays, and they made one touchdown pass to chase that made you write in your notes good play call good design what an effing throw you got super excited about well this. yeah that, that, i mean one this is where uh, you you see like i think the game plan itself showed like hey we're starting to accumulate how teams play right so now we can this is where cincinnati's good right you've heard me say this for a year now once they start to feel how teams play and we got we got four games worth of you know breakdowns here Right, so they start to find their groove, and in this game too, they were smart too, and they saw this coverage. I think in the first half a few times, and they were like, "We can gash this." They played quarters on the right. They played cover two on the left. I believe it was Boyd on the right, Jamar Chase on the left. Boyd ran like a curl route, kind of right in the middle of the corner and the safety. So they're both kind of like, "Wait, he's in my area. I kind of got to stay here with him a little bit." Right? It was a play action fake. And now you got cover two to Chase, but pic- if you could picture it, Chase on the left running a deep post, and the safety on the right is down, worried about the deep curl by Boyd. So now there's nobody over the top to the right side of the Oof. field. It's a good backside quarters beater is what it is, really. And then Burrow threw a dime of dimes, and, I mean, just hit him right in stride, like 63 yards down the field. Still some things to work on if you're the Bengals. You noted the offensive line is not very good at passing off the twists and stunts, Definitely and that's not. why they get beat. They get beat a lot. They were better in the football game, though, too. And then the big thing is, like, what you started off the whole thing with. Burrow was close to healthy as well. So yes. his ability to move just a little bit and get out of the pocket definitely saved them and caused, you know, helped them make a few plays in the past game. But, you know, hey, again, it's 46 throws for 317 yards, right? Yeah. And one of those was a 63-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah. So if you take those other 45 throws, right, yeah. it's a lot of short passes. Slice and dice. And that's fine. Do that. And then you'll have your, you know, two or three chances a game to, to hit them downfield. But it's the first time all year that the Bengals' offensive line has not been dominated. Exactly right. And so they get the game ball. That's you the think big Zach thing. Taylor said that. It's like, game ball goes the line. You guys did not get dominated here today. Not great all the time, but did not get dominated. Well done. And everyone applauds. Way to go. Yep. You, yeah, we'll see if they can work totally obliterated. build on that. Uh, so after watching the films, you are confident that we can say, without reservation, the Bengals are back. No, I cannot. Okay. No, they're, they're close. <laughs> yeah. And it was a step in the right direction. But I'm not ready to say they're back. And... You know, like I said, I just I gave my reasons why on the offensive side of the ball and still on their defense, 
They still let up too many damn big plays. Yeah. I will say that. Their defense has not been as good or as dominant as I would have expected it to be this year. Well, we'll see if uh, the Seattle Seahawks can gash that defense, too, because they have the ability to do that. It could be a high-scoring game. Bengals versus Seahawks. We'll see how Chris picks that tomorrow on the Picks pod. That's definitely going to be a tough – like, I've already – I looked at the schedules last night, right? Like, last night's the first time I look at games of the matchup, and I was like, oh, man, Bengals-Seahawks. Whoa, that's going to be a good one. So DraftKings has the odds on everything imaginable. They also have the odds on the offensive player of the year, even if you can't even imagine that, but they do. Uh, Jamar Chase may be a dark horse candidate. Pete was looking at this earlier today, and I think this is a good call. So right now, with the injury to Justin Jefferson, that sucks. You know, he's going to be out for a while, right? He was probably the favorite before this. Was he up there? He was up there. Maybe yeah, Christian McCaffrey is the favorite. Yeah, he's probably been the favorite uh, for a while. Plus 175. Tyreek Hill is the second choice, plus 250. And then you get a drop-off, and then you get Jamar Chase at third at plus 1,500. So that's a pretty big gap in yeah. between him and the top two. So what do you think about that? So, you know, he hadn't been rolling up until this last game. Now he got three touchdowns, and who knows? Maybe this is the start of something. Yeah, I, I do think that. Like, if you're looking for a value bet, that'd be a really good one. I, I think they found, like, wait, we're going to, you know, like I said, Masters a short passing game. We're going to throw every freaking ball to him, and we're going to go from there, and we'll see where it goes for the rest of our offense. He knows uh, that T. Higgins is out, too, so maybe he gets so more targets. So he gets targets. even more, no doubt about it. And which was another reason why I was going, wait, what are we doing on Arizona's defense in that game a little bit? Just going, we're just going to let Jamar Chase run free the whole game? Like, that didn't make sense to me yeah. uh, with one less guy to worry about. But, yeah, yeah he, he certainly is a guy you look at there that's down the line. The top two guys, you know, this is my problem, and, and this is, you know, we're talking about offensive player of the year. And I just sit here, and I, I know it's become whatever quarterback's on the best team award. That's what they should call it now, not the MVP. Whatever quarterback's on the best team award. That, that's what it's become. Yes. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. You know, Christian McCaffrey is the MVP of the 49ers offense. He's the best player on their offense. It's not Brock Purdy. Sorry. Tyree Kill is the best player on the Dolphins offense. It's not Tua. Sorry. Like, they should be the ones that are up towards the MVP list. You think that offense in Miami would look like it does without Tyree Kill? <laughs> okay, right. You, we're seeing the 49ers offense and how, much, how awesome that is this year? It's because of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So that's where I'm just – I'm going to bang the table on this all year this year. I'm sick of this. I really am. I'm sick of the MVP goes to quarterback on the best team. I want it to go back to a little bit of like, let's get back to actually – what it means the most valuable player to your team right yeah and that and that is where we've lost our way yeah so yes Tyree Kill McCaffrey I like them both I agree and I don't don't like the mental gymnastics that you have to do to say like oh he is the MVP he is the quarter two is the MVP but I'm not going to vote for him for offensive player of the year for some reason like we don't want to give him two awards right like yeah that's kind of stupid too you're right it's like why wouldn't he just be both both? he would just be both right right? he's like he plays offense he's the MVP yeah no I know we can't give it to all quarterbacks so it's like okay I I know but so this this does this does have to change and I think this is a year where we maybe we can fight fight this a little bit you and I well I think so I mean we could fight it a little bit I think this is a year where I think a lot of people realize, hey, those two guys at quarterback are awesome. I get it, but they're a part of a bigger thing that is unbelievably awesome. And there's other guys in there that I look at and go, no, they're more valuable to that team than, than that guy. Oh, I like this. And, right. and so uh, that's, that's where I've had enough of it. You know I've kind of had enough of it the last few years yeah. in general anyways. I'm going to think of a catchy campaign we can do here. Right. With like a good little headline or tagline. Maybe it rhymes. Maybe it doesn't. And it'll, be, and it'll just percolate through the 
NFL media like you do often. You know, you don't get the credit all the time, but your thoughts do percolate through NFL media. Uh, Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this season new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Oh, hey, and uh, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. You're like, Amit's got this. He's he's rolling. Let's not mess him up. (laughs) Download the app. Use the promo code unbuttoned when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is is yours. Yeah, we needed that. Nailed nailed it. Rough start. Rough start. Championship. Closer had a perfect immaculate ninth inning right there. (laughs) All right, let's get on to uh, Desmond Ritter. And the Atlanta Falcons, they beat the Houston Texans. I call that a bit of an upset. I think the way the Texans were playing, I didn't think that they would lose that I, game. I, I, I hear you. I picked the Texans to win by like a point or two, yeah. something like a close football game. After the game, you said that might be Desmond Ritter's best game yes. that we have seen so far. And you've now watched the film, though. And sometimes the film tells a different story. I know. You're right, right? How many times have I said that and come back and be like, hey, it wasn't as good as I thought it was, right? Are you going to say that this time? No, I'm not. It was an impressive game by Desmond Ritter. I think, you know, um, I think the first thing you saw, and it was a little bit like the Jags game with the Bills where, like, I turned it on and you were just like, whoa, the Jags are flying around. Like, they're they're playing at a different speed here. Like, the first two throws of the game, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Desmond Ritter throw the ball that hard, right? Like, letting it go. So that was, like, the first encouraging thing. I was going, man. He stopped worrying about, like, I'm going to be perfect and throw it in rhythm and I'm going to place the ball right on the bullseye. Fucking throw that thing right through the bullseye. Make it come out the other side of the bullseye. That's what good quarterbacks do. They go, I'm going to drive it right through the bullseye. And that, to me, was the first thing I noticed. Just more aggressive and fearless in his decision-making. You know, there's too many plays the last few weeks where he's like, he, he pats it like, is he open? Okay, he's open, and he throws it. And it's like, well, now it's too late. You questioned yourself, and now the guy's got a hand in, or it got a little dicey. So he saw it and let it fly. I think the second thing I would play off of that is a little bit like we talked about Zach Wilson in the Chiefs game and some of that. They let it go offensively, finally, right? You know, I think too many times coaches fall into the we're going to manage him. We're going to manage him. We're going to manage him. Oh, let's throw a short one here. Let's throw a basic play action here. Let's, and the teams are like, the defense is playing them. We're going, this is awesome. This is, they're throwing short. We know these plays. We've seen them. This is the spring. It's all the basic stuff. They started out, you know, in OTAs. And, the, and then, you know, of course, it's like, boo, the quarterback can't do it. And it's like, well, yeah, the defense knows the plays they're running and, and the plays suck, right? Yeah. So there was a little more creativity. I felt like there was more, like, true specific game plan passes where they're like, wait, we know they're going to be in this coverage. And if you just read, we got this guy in a bind. And if you just make him wrong and throw the ball, we're going to get a big play here. So there was some of that. And it was a little bit more open down the field throwing too. And I think you saw in my notes, like, you know, yeah, people think, oh, we got to manage the quarterback. We got to throw it short and keep it. Oh, we got to keep it conservative. And so we can be consistent there. But sometimes those are the hardest plays to throw and see. Oh, everybody's at five yards over the middle of the field. Well, there's fucking 10 defenders there, coach. And I got to jam it in there. And if we, I don't throw it exactly right or somebody gets a pinky on it, I get an interception. And there in this game, 
Yeah, they spread the field with the route concepts, I felt like, more. The way it cleaned it out for me. It was like, whoa, okay, there's a deep post. Oh, here's a deep corner route. Oh, and the guy in the flat. So I can really kind of see the levels of it and see the defense stretch out instead of me having to go, I got to make the perfect decision right now and get it into the perfect spot. And I think that helped yeah. them out a lot. And they still were able to do that, a lot of it, the aggressive play calling with they the play-action pass. Yeah, and so right. they called that 28% of the time this week, and that was about on par with what they had done the first four weeks. But they were throwing it Different, way farther down farther. Okay, were they? I was going to say, they I were. hope they were. So I hope in I'm the right first there. four weeks on play action, they had a total of 208 yards. Right. They had 163 in this game, and so their yards per attempt was basically three times what it was in the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, they found they found way to game plan some plays to London to Pitts. Right, he threw a big pass to the fullback down the right sideline. Um, that I, I want to make sure I, I I get the name right here. Um, uh, Smith. Right, number forty for for a twenty eight yard game down the sideline. <laughs> Is that the first time that's ever happened in the history of the world? Let me make sure I get this name right. Smith, <laughs> John. <laughs> no. uh, I don't even know. It. No, it's Keith Smith, right? Yep. Okay, so okay. Keith Smith. But that that play itself, right? So they run a little play action. He's the fullback. He lines up at the traditional fullback position. Right? So they run. It looks like, hey, it's going to be an ISO, right? The fullback's going to go block the middle linebacker and do all that, right, Ahmed? And yes. then he just kind of slips by him and keeps going. And he kind of widens out and goes down the right side. That's what I'm talking about, where they had some of that in the game plan, where, hey, it was a big play. They took a little pressure off of Pitts. I mean, not Pitts, Ritter. You know, like, hey, we got something here. Trust us on our game plan and how we design this. And if you can just put this in his general area, you're going to get a big completion, which, of course, of course you know, gets some um, some attention or gets some confidence going for Desmond Ritter, which he needed. One thing that did stick out to me about this Falcons offense, though, is we've given praise to that offensive line a lot, and we've said that they're a running team, and that's their bread and butter. You, you saw some maybe weaknesses from that offensive line in the run game. I, well, th- this Texans D, you know, I have a little bit of a semi-man crush on sure. them. Just because they're fast and they're aggressive and, you know, it looks 49ers-ish just with it not the 49ers talent, but still like, whoa, it's better talent than I thought it was. And they had problems with the Texans' speed. You know, they're, they're a really good offensive line, like you said. But they had a problem with – the speed and sometimes of how quickly they could get off blocks. Mm. And, like, you know, if I can paint the picture like, hey, you know, how about me and another guy are going to double-team you in a blocking assignment, and then one of us has to go get the linebacker. So they'd be blocking you, and by the time they'd go up to get the linebacker, be like, oh, God, he's going by me already, right? So I do think the speed of the Texans caught them off guard a little. They could not get the running game going. But they showed good understanding – of how to attack the 49ers, D'Amico, Ryan zone coverages a little bit, which a lot of teams don't always know how to do it. But they knew how to spread out their little three-on-two zones or their two-on-three zones or whatever. That's what they do. And they found ways to kind of like, hey, if we run the combination like this, it can spread out these three guys a little bit. And then this guy sits right here, and boom, we got him for a completion. I think there was great understanding of the scheme from the, of the Texas defense by these uh, Atlanta Falcons coaches and, and uh, Arthur Smith and Dave Ragone yeah. as the OC. Yep, so the Falcons improved to three and two now. They go on the road to the Rams and uh Oh, that could be a problem because Desmond Ritter, as we noted, perfect throughout his NFL and college career at home, 5-0 and in his NFL career at home as a starter, 0-4 on the road. It's kind of crazy. 
It really is. Heineke time. It, it, <laughs> Just for the road games. I know. I, I like how you said that on Sunday. Maybe they should play Heineke on the road. You You're said that right? last week. Heineke yeah, on, the on the road. And then, you know, yeah. You have a but, road quarterback. You have a home quarterback. Why not? Like in pitcher, pitchers in baseball, you got, you know, every five days. But you say they're on turns. the road or at home. They're on. They're home this week, right? They're at the Rams. We got Washington at home. You guys, we're in week six of the NFL coming up. Thank you. Uh, Washington at home. Pete, uh, Pete, hold on. Yeah, hold on. Well, we're just looking ahead. I'm just thinking ahead. You always think two moves ahead. Uh, Pete, are our other matchups correct? Were our other matchups right here? Were the, are the Bengals playing uh, Seattle next Yeah, they week? are playing Seattle. Okay. He's right about that. Okay. All right. Woo. Uh, do the Eagles have the Jets this coming week? Is that <laughs> yeah, one? they okay. do. Okay, all right. I'm just, now I'm checking all these ones We'll as we double go check here. Pete on the pot. I like this. Uh, so, uh, um, so our next game. But, but hey, oh, just getting into Ritter. One more thing. Good as he ever threw the ball. I okay. want to say that. As decisive, I've never seen him throw the ball with that type of pace and accuracy on a consistent basis, right? You, that goes back to our college. Right? I remember when I was just going, eh, it's just it's people wide open. There's never balls driven into tight windows, any of that. So that was good. And then they put him in the position of power a little bit more, some more first down throws and more aggressive, and that led to you know him being as best we've ever seen him. All right. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So Falcons on the way up, Desmond Ritter on the way up. The Eagles defense may be on the way up, too. We saw it in the second half against the Rams. Final score on this one, uh, the Eagles did beat the Rams 23-14. to uh, Was there anything that you saw in the Eagles defense that changed in the second half? So as you flip to the notes here, let's, let's show the first half versus second half stats here. First half. Here, what if you don't have them? What if it's not in this notebook? <laughs> they are, oh, they're here. no. They're here. Uh, 14 points in the first half, none in the second half. Uh, 168 yards given up in the first half, just 81 in the second half. And third downs, they were awesome after the break there. They were terrible in the first half, 5 of 7. The Rams converted, but in the second half, 1 of 7. Chris has found his page. He sees the answer, the answer key to what the Eagles' defense looked like to him first half versus second half. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the thing that I come away with, and I think you guys saw this in my notes, right, is just that, a little bit, and this is, and I'm talking to myself as I write my notes a little too, going like, I just feel like the Eagles are blitzing a little too much lately. Like, you got this great front four. Why are they always rushing five and rushing six? And then, you know, play a lot of man-to-man with that as well. And I just feel like 
you know, their scheme on the defensive side is a little simple, right? And I'm not saying it needs to be totally different, but they're a little bit of like, hey, they just line up in it, and they're like, hey, we're the Eagles, and we're good, and bring it, right? Blitz, man coverage. Right, and they can get away with that a lot of the times. But, you know, like, I'd like to see them. You can do some of that stuff and blitz and have a guy drop out or, hey, it looks like we're going to blitz and everybody drops out or, hey, one guy blitzes, one guy drops out, all of that. There's just not enough of that to me at times, you know, and and that's where I I don't necessarily – doesn't make sense. Like, if I was Matthew Stafford and I was playing the Eagles, I'd go, oh, gosh, it's a five-man front, and they're playing man. This is great. Now I know I can get to some quick play or whatever else, and I'll be able to get the ball out of my hands. We'll pick them. We'll do this, and this actually works even better because now I don't even have to pat the ball and read the coverage and get railroaded by one of these big fuckers on their defensive line, right? So it almost, like, plays into the hands of people. That's where I I, I don't understand it, especially a team like the Rams that you know are well-coached and going to have a few little tricks and wrinkles and getting guys open and doing stuff like that. So that's where, you know, I just wish they would give the illusion of blitz a little bit more and then not really blitz. That's, to me, what a lot of the good defenses do in football right now. And uh, that, that was definitely, I think, one of my problems sure. in the first half. And that's one of the problems you saw and why Cooper Cup went off in the first half or in the first two or three drives, really. It was like the, all of the first two or three drives. And then the Eagles, you know, started to um, kind of make some adjustments and go from there. Yeah, they doubled them early in the third quarter, you noted, with Cooper Cup. Because, yeah, it was basically the Rams made a concerted effort to get Cooper Cup in the game. He was the first read, basically, he for Stafford. He took Puganuku's plays, right? Yes. All that, that's what I said. They're, they'll just feature a guy, and they're going to work it and work it and work it until you do something to take it away. And that's where, yeah, I feel like after that, that's where they settled down on the blitz a little bit. Right. And, you know, for the most part, played more zones and and tried to play it that way. He did have another big catch on Darius Slay. Right. Where he caught a corner, a corner route on Darius Slay for a big gain. I think that was the third drive of the game. And and Darius Slay just messed that up, too. Like, he had two guys in the middle that were free. Like, let him run inside. You have help there. Don't bite on the post route when you have two people in the middle, right? Stay on your outside leverage. He's going to come back to you, right? And if he doesn't come back to you, there's two guys in the middle. So don't worry. Um, you know, but, the, but you know, slowly yeah. but surely, I think they found the right touch and how to play a little less man, uh, and 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 relying on the front four, and especially in a game where it's an offensive line that's not good, why are you rushing five? You you know the way they're going to beat you is picking you apart with quick short passes to Nakua and Cooper Cup. So why not have extra guys in coverage, and your front four studs will get there anyways. And and that to me is something that you know I think they can kind of change yep. or improve on a little bit. Will Zach Wilson be running for his life this week against the Eagles? Won't be easy for him. It, it, uh, yeah, he's going to be running for his life. <laughs> he is. I, I think so. Yeah, I do. You know, it, it's um, no Elijah Vera Tucker. That hurts. Not that you know Max Mitchell is a bad football player here, but. Yeah, I imagine they're going to have to be able to run the ball and screens and have a few tricks yeah. to slow down this pass rush because, yeah, I, I do worry about it against because, this group. Yeah, he might not hurt them as much when they when they blitz and, and 
he picks it up because you said Stafford on that touchdown to Tutu Atwell. It's like he saw the blitz. He moved the protection over, and they were they had a plan for it. Exactly right. That's where, you know, again, that's where the illusion I would see, I like to see a little bit more. Not just line up in it and go, we're good. And, you know, you know I think they're playing a little bit right now. We're good. We don't want to trick it up. We want guys to know where they're going and be in position because we're good enough to kind of do that. But I think there's going to be some quality teams and quarterbacks that you play where I go, you're, you're not going to get away with that. You're yeah. not. And, and like we said in this one, this game was uncomfortably close for them because of that. Right? He, he, yeah, he's, oh, okay, wait, I've seen this blitz a little already. Let me get it situated. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh, I know they're going to play this coverage. They're not even disguising it in the back end. And, you know, I'll, I'll make sure we're, you know, blocked up and ready to go so I can throw the touchdown. And, and yeah, that, that's to me where the Eagles can certainly improve and, and be a little more dangerous on that side of the ball. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything else. I think but that was about it. I think, I think you got it all We'll get over. it on the Thursday picks pod. Um, yeah, I think I got it all. But, yeah, if I'm the Eagles, I'm relying on more. We're going to rush four and have seven in coverage. Now, you can have creative ways in rushing four and having guys in coverage. It doesn't need to be just like, hey, we line up in four and we play Tampa two and there we go, boom, that's it. No, you can make it look like a whole bunch of different stuff, like you're going to still blitz, but still get seven guys in coverage, still stress the protection a little bit, and have four guys. And I think that's where I, I could see them you know, being better. And now we save the best for last, the Lions and that offense, which has catapulted itself into the top three in your mind. 49ers, Dolphins, Lions. You think that that's, that's where it starts, the three best offenses in the league. I do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you believe I'm that? on cloud nine right now. You believe that stuff that well, they, I'm spewing over here? They torched the Carolina Panthers for 42, and that's a pretty good defense. It is a pretty offense good defense. leaves a lot uh, to be desired. So here, here's what I'm going to throw at you here. Yeah, give it to me all. Get ben Johnson, go. here's my theory. Ben yeah. Johnson has passed Kyle Shanahan, your good friend, as the best play caller and play designer in the NFL because look at this. We have the dots oh. for a play that the Lions ran. Yep. And then what? what is this, Pete? A few hours later, yep. the 49ers ran this same play. It is amazing, They right? stole it. So okay. you're seeing the Sam Laporta touchdown and the George Kittle that ended up being a touchdown, right? Yeah. Did George get yeah. to the end zone? Yeah, okay, good. Yep. So it really is, if you're watching, it's like the dots. Our, our dots are getting to the end zone faster. I will say that. So we're a faster team than the 49ers. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you make of this? Well, it, it just it's funny that, you know, both teams would have this in their game plan on the same week, right? Uh, and and that, that Shanahan watched the game and saw them score, and that emboldened him to go, I'm going to call it tonight. They did it. <laughs> I'm going to do it, yeah. right? Um, but I think it speaks to them and who they are, both of those play callers, that they're, hey, we're awesome and we do everything, and why can't we trick it up every now and then and do something else to even blow your you know, mind even more? And they're not afraid to do it. And they have the right touch and when to do it. Both were right first play after a turnover, right? Am I right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah? Wait, right? It was a Bryce Young interception they did that off of. Oh, I think so, yeah. And I think it was the Dak Prescott interception. Oh, interesting. Right? It might have been, or it might have been like a good punt return that was backed up and then they got it in good position. Either With way, copies. it was right in that area of, wow. wait, we got the ball here, first play, Let's catch them off guard and strike for the touchdown, right? Because it's hard to score in the red zone. Let's get one outside the yeah. red zone and get down there and do that. He is awesome, Ben Johnson. Yeah. He's awesome. Better than Shanahan. No, he's not. Your theory's wrong, but he's really damn good. He really is. And what I do see and notice, he's stealing run ideas from Shanahan. 
That that would be the other thing I've tried. I, I've kind of thought that watching on TV and stuff, going, ooh, that's what Kyle and McDaniel do, right? And as I watch this game more, yeah, he's stealing little ideas on how they attack the edge defenders and do that, and they're definitely 49er things we've seen. But where do you want to start with this Lions thing? Where oh, do you? I bow to you. I don't you. want it to end. As far we'll start as everywhere. All right. So how about how about their aggressiveness? It's like from the beginning when you when you turn on the tape from play number one, are they masters of the short passing game? Are they conservative? Are they creatively conservative? What are they? <laughs> they are like creatively aggressive. They are creatively like never looking for a four yard gain. It's like, hey, let's. I got this run. It's going to gash them for forty. I got this pass. We're driving back. We should get at least twenty. I mean, it's every play, right? And then Goff is smart. And if you overplay it, he'll check it down or whatever else. But he's aggressive with being smart, right? He's always, like the coach and the play call, looking for, wait, here's the 20-yard in cut. I mean, the first play, it's shift, emotion, play action, boom, wide open 20-yard in cut. And you're just like, whoa, here we go. And then they get going. And then what was it? It's like, I mean, they're, they're, to that point, they're yeah. trying to do damage on first and second down. They're not trying to make it third and manageable or second and manageable. No doubt. That's where they're like the 49ers and the Dolphins. First and second down, good fucking luck stopping them because they just got everything. They got all these runs, the play action passes, the reverses, the speed sweeps. You know, they got so many things that you go, well, we got to worry about this on first and second down. You know, they are a team that, like I, you've heard me say about Miami especially, y- your only hope is to get them to third down until where you go, okay, at least it's going to be shotgun and it's going to be a drop-back pass, right? Third and seven, third and eight. We don't have to worry about all the other stuff they do. And even then, that's going to be tough because they're, they're good. But th- that's, to me, the, the thing that's special about them. But, yeah, I mean, it's deep in cut for 23 yards. It's deep down the middle to, to, to um, Jones. And then it's a creative run play. For a for a forty two yard touchdown, that's like perfectly blocked. Nobody is. They got people on every person on Carolina's football team. Montgomery actually makes a horrible read and runs into his own guy, and you're like, wait, to the left, there's this huge hole. Can and you he, get over there? And he's stuck there for like a second. Which part of me thinks like that threw off? It kind of helped so him much. to the last defender. It yeah. did help him. The yeah. last defender ended up like the the one guy you thought ooh could maybe make the play. He kind of got caught in. Wait, I'm going to go in that mosh pit that he's yeah, stuck in there. Where did the running back and go? And then he bounced back out, right? Right. But, yeah, he ran into his own guy and sat there for a second like, <laughs> oh, wait, where do I go? And I'm like, to the left, there it is. And, of course, he breaks out and runs for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, th- they're playing great complementary football on both sides of the football. Your defense is legit. And then when you couple that with an aggressive, you know, run-first creative football team, it's like the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's tough to defend everything they do on that side of the ball, and yeah, I'm just I'm blown away by them. The O line is great, all right. It's great. It's one of the best in football. You got three or four tight ends that are all really good, so they can put you in twelve and thirteen personnel, and you're like, damn, we got to stop the run and do all this, and then they fuck you over with some awesome play action pass, and you go, wait, yeah. all three of those tight ends can run pretty good and get down the field, they right? Catch, yeah, yeah. So they all can do that. You got a creative offense with aggressive quarterback. And guess what we got coming? Hmm. Guess who's coming to town? He's there. He's ready. Number nine, Jameson Williams. Man, oh, man. You know what? Hey. I I hope you're right. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. Rockets are 
fully fueled up his ass. He's definitely fast. Oh, my gosh. He dropped the ball. Dropped a ball. He dropped a ball, no doubt. You know, hey, it's first game. He's over the middle. He wants to do something special. He took his eyes off the ball. There was a few other plays where Goff was going to look at the film and go, I should have – I didn't – I forgot how fast he is. I need to pat the ball one more time because he's – if he's even, he's leaving. In fact, if he's two steps behind, he's leaving. And he's going to look at that. There was the fourth down conversion that you guys missed somewhere in the second quarter. You were kind of in field goal range. Oh, it was fourth and four, right? He threw the ball to the back and the flat on the yes, right side, I, I believe. That. I saw that play. Jamison Williams. Like a post post corner. Cro- Exactly, a post across the field. He's gone. It's a touchdown. Goff just came off it a little too quickly for some reason or whatever. But that'll be like – see, there's an adjustment period for guys like that at a quarterback. You haven't had a guy like that on the field with you. Lately, you, you forget, like, oh, shit, like, he's here, but he's going to be there in, like, half a second. I got to, like, adjust your brain because you got nobody else in your team that moves like that. So you're not thinking he can get to that window or get to that spot or run by that guy. And he'll adjust this week. And I would think slowly but surely. And that is the only part of your team that was missing that I went, if they have a guy that just scares you over the top, you're not going to be able to stop anything. Yeah. Wow. You guys are awesome. I want this to keep going on forever. Going so to... I think your two biggest growing crushes this year, because you've always had a crush on the 49ers offense yeah. and the Dolphins offense and what they do. Your biggest growing crushes, I think, C.J. Stroud. I think that's grown a lot yeah. in the first five yep. weeks of the season. And the Detroit Lions offense. <laughs> I, I think I, those are your two biggest growing crushes. I would I would say you're you're probably right there. I don't know if there's anyone else right now that, that jumps out quite that way. Any defense that you, I, you, you know, I mean. You've fallen in love no, with? No, I don't think anything quite to that extent. I do like that Jaguars D and some of those guys. But you've liked there. them for a I while. I know I have. You're right. So, no, you know, I, I think you said it right. I, I got a I got a crush on this, and, which is and, another way of saying like the two things that have maybe jumped out to you and surprised you the most. Like they're better than you thought. They're C.J. Stroud, even though you liked them, yeah. better than you I thought. I didn't think it was going to be this. And the Lions without Jamison Williams, without you know, they haven't even incorporated Jameer Gibbs. No, to the hasn't even got going. Right, you know. And could. then too, there was a little bit of me like I talked to you. It's like ah, uh, I don't know. Is this too much hype? Was it just getting hot at the end of the year? Yeah. Right. Can the defense really turn it around to the way that you guys have turned it around, right? Right. right? So I questioned those things, and obviously I was, I was wrong to question them. Well, but every yes. pass play is attack. You know, even like I talked about, even when they throw it short, there's three people deep where you go, well, it's wide open. The field's open to throw it short, and he makes the right read. I think that's what I love. Your screen game, it's as good as anybody in football in that department. You know, and then your defense is getting tor- turnovers, and when they get turnovers, your offense is capitalizing. So yeah. that's the big thing. You know, and I wrote it at the end, right? I, can you get to them? Can you get them on third down? Because you're almost at their mercy on first and second. They are dangerous in 11, 12, and 13 personnel, and they're not afraid to call or try trick plays, right? And then, yes, I wrote one of the best offenses in the NFL, 49ers, Dolphins, Lions, to me, Clearly the three best offenses in football. You know, I always let you cook, let yeah. you go. I'm a, I just let you go as, as long as oh. you want to go here. Let's just go back and talk about, <laughs> let's recap some of this stuff here. Uh, no, but I do have more love for the Lions here as we fire up our Big Butt of the Week awards. Boom. Woo. It is we that like time. Big butts and we cannot lie. The Big Butt of the Week oh. Time to give some love to these Woo. big guys. Some it, touches. There's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butting superstar. Woo. 
Thanks. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. The big butt expert of the world says the edge big butt of the week is a Detroit Lion. Congratulations, Aiden Hutchinson. Pro Football Focus's top graded edge of the week. And I don't always go by the grades, but when it's a lion that's number one, I always go by the grades from PFF. <laughs> edge is a one where you can really, the grade is n- never really far off. Yeah. Right? That's one where, like, you got to be an idiot not to grade it the right way. Right? So that's one where, I, you know, I always go, oh, there's context to this. Or kind of like, that's one where there's usually not context, though. Second most pressures. He had eight. Chase Young did have 11 pressures on the week, and so he was causing some havoc. He even was. though They got torched in that game yep. against the Bears. Uh, a freakish interception where he looked like the running back here, and he now, has, insane. He now has twice as many career interceptions as Sauce Gardner. <laughs> he has four. Sauce has two. Good note thrown in there by Pete. Damn, that is that's kind of amazing. Sauce has dropped at least three or four this Ooh, year that are in his hands, but Hutchinson's amazing. The identity of the defense. He is the identity of the defense. I mean, what a gift. You know, not that Trayvon Walker's been bad. He's a good player. But if they could do he it again. No doubt. There's no doubt. Aiden Hutchinson has got everything and you know, he's just got a playmaking ability and an instincts like you saw in the interception. You know, they ran that at him. They did that to him. They picked him to run that, too, because they went, he's going to be a psycho and go upfield and get after the quarterback, right? That's the guy you always kind of screen. You're going to yeah. like, let's get this psycho so we can slow him down a little bit and think, make him think a little like, hey, we might do this again. You can't just always fucking fly up to kill the quarterback, right? So they did that. But he's got incredible instincts and recognition to where he kind of felt it, saw it, and then makes a one-handed INT. I mean, that was like B. John Robinson's one-hand touchdown yeah. catch a little bit. I hope he's okay because he took quite the shot in the thigh. Ooh. And he was a little like, you know, you know, he was like gimpy, like, ow, I got a dead leg kind of thing, right? Not like a – but, you know, I could definitely see him having a big bruise on his side this week. But I think uh, he'll be fine. Damn, be he's fine. good, yeah. Uh, so he wins the big butt of the week at edge. And another one of my favorites win at defensive tackle, Christian Wilkins of the Miami Dolphins. Seven pressures tied for the most in the NFL this week. He had three defensive stops. According to PFF, his teammate, uh, Zach Sealer, had the most with seven. So that was a pretty good week for the defensive line there. But Christian Wilkins, big butt of the week at defensive tackle. Hell of a football player. Can do it all, right? Can play like 4-3, I'm going to win this gap. Can play 3-4, I'm going to take two gaps. Does it all. Incredible motor. Now, you know. I, you know, it's Uh-oh. the Giants. I think you can go. You're going to be able to go through the whole year and go. Whoever played the Giants <laughs> can win the Big Butt Award. Uh, yeah. All right, good that's point. the right. Hey, strength of schedule. I got to start putting you start, in here. You're going to have to start looking at that's it because you're going to go. You're going. Hey, Christian Wilkins is awesome. Hey, the guy next to him was awesome in this game too. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the guys blocking them suck. Okay, <laughs> so, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, it's all fun, and he's worthy of the Big Butt, and he's he's a phenomenal football player. I worry about with Christian Wilkins is. You know, to me, it feels like he's going to be the odd man out. Mm. That's what it feels like. It feels like he might be the guy they can't pay, right? They didn't come to a contract agreement in the offseason. They decided to table it to the offseason. They got a lot of people that are, you know, making a lot of money. It's a star-studded football team. Yeah. I, I wonder where this goes with him. Uh, it wow. wouldn't be easy to part with because I think he's a great leader, too. He might have to go to the 49ers because they can pay everyone. They, they will have be able no to salary pay. cap. Uh, they don't next year. They don't. They're going to be the rich <laughs> they, will get richer. They in that pay department. everyone and then get 40 million extra in salary cap money. So congratulations, Christian Wilkins and Aiden Hutchinson here as Kristen has made the 
elephant trophy with the rears featuring the butts prominently. Yeah, Wilkins has got a legit butt like that. Legit. Legit. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's a little more hamstring and and thigh. You can see it right there. I mean, yep. uh, damn, he's got some hamstring and thighs it, on him. It's all connected. And Pete has put here in our rundown, thanks for doing this, Pete, all of the weekly winners so far. We don't have a repeat winner yet. No. We've all had first-time winners throughout the week. So. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I have a feeling that, you know, you're going to have somebody. You have, you know, no Micah Parsons yet on your list. Oof, yeah, you're right. right. So that is, there's that. And I feel like the next guy that will be the repeat is the guy that you picked in week one. Jalen Carter. I, this is, oh my gosh, is he good? He yeah. is so good. It's unbelievable. I'm, yeah. I'm loving watching him. Although right he doesn't now. play a, a lot of snaps, no, and you know no. I do bias when towards will it end? snap. Yeah, I know you're right, and there should be value in that to you. Yes. I like that you do that. You got to play the game. You got to play a lot of snaps. You got to be a workhorse, right? Yeah. You got to do that. That's part of the big butt guy. I know. When will that change? Right. When, oh, when they, will he start playing more? When will they start going? You're a starter. Right, he doesn't start. Yeah, right? he's still kind of getting the rookie, like you know. And then... I don't know that you know that was part of the knock on him in college yeah. is that he his motor did run out at the end of games. He played a lot in college to yeah. where you were like, that's too much. Okay, now it's like yeah, it's too little. <laughs> yeah. Now you know that they value him because, like I said, in every big drive, he's the one that's out there. Right, so that uh, that always tells me that like, oh, like Washington game. The end of regulation, overtime, the four linemen, Jalen Carter was one of them. Right? Yeah. They were like, okay, that's enough rest. It's a big part of the game. you got to get out there. Uh, but, yeah, this, this, you got some, some good ones this year so far. That's it. We did it. We did it, baby. Deep dive. Deep dive. Treasures all over the place. We got gold. Emeralds, rubies everywhere. Going home with our bounty. That's what the fuck happened. Now you know. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Yep. That was my last swear of the day. Okay. Or not the day, but at least on this podcast, I'll swear recorded plenty swear. more. Last, yeah, recorded last recorded swear. swear of the day. Maybe. We'll see. I actually have to do an interview later. That'll probably come out. But uh, either way, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Please send, keep sending in questions, thoughts, whatever. Feel free to challenge me on any of the things I'm saying. If you Ooh. want me to explain more, well, that's a good deeper idea. dive into it, we I have no that. problem with that. Pete. I know sometimes we go over things quickly, and you go, well, wait, what about this? What about that? Okay, so if you got more questions and nuance about some of the things I'm saying, Ooh. I'm here to do that. I just got an idea. Pete, yeah. maybe next Wednesday. Yeah. I'm just thinking this on the pod. Yeah. Could've, I could have saved this for after the yeah, pod. Yeah, it's better now. It could be like uh, like the Wednesday could be like challenge Chris. Like we do a pod every quarter that's sure. like the whole Homies get to challenge Chris on sure. what this takes. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. We'll I like battle. that. Always. We'll debate back yeah. and forth. Yep. Okay, good. Like got that. to. Got to. I like that a lot. So you know where to find us tomorrow. I got my week six picks with Florio. Check us out there. Uh, you know where to find everything. Chris Sims, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, and Ahmed Farid. Ahmed Farid, you the man. Peace out, homies. Clap it up. Clap it up. When you buy a new house, you might say... Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously. Shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say... Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 